My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the tower at Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, for three years now, I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? He said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Figs and fig trees. Did you know that between the Old and the New Testament, there is a reference to figs or fig trees over 48 times? Now, not that I can read hearts or minds, but I'm pretty sure most of you are thinking, um, what's with the biblical trivia and who cares? Um, I'm with you. I never paid much attention to figs or fig trees when they appeared in the Bible until about a year ago. In fact, I can give you the exact date. May 29th, 2021. I remember the date because that happens to be my anniversary, my ordination to the priesthood. So last year on my 22nd anniversary, this very strange package arrived in the mail. It was this giant tube, kind of like you'd expect to find a poster rolled up inside. And when I saw my name on it, I immediately started running through my mind any recent purchases I might have ordered or anything that was supposed to be coming in the mail, and I couldn't think of any. And then the return address was from Tennessee, which seemed really odd because I don't even think I know anyone down there. So anyway, I opened it up, and surprise, surprise, it was a seedling of a fig tree plant. It was a stem of about three feet long, had three leaves on it, and the bamboo stick alongside it to hold it steady, and instructions on how to plant it. And that was it, nothing else. Now, while I've been a priest for 22 years, I've been an Italian man for over 48. (laughs) So by nature, Italians are inquisitive, curious, superstitious. So like a journalist, we want to know the five W's and the one H, the who, what, where, when, why, and how. So the where and when were obvious, but who sent this to me? Why did they send it to me? What's the meaning behind it? How am I supposed to express my thanks or ever pay them back? All those things were missing. 
So I was sure that this had to have been a mistake. Like there must have been a card that was supposed to be included or somehow it got lost or whatever. So I did the only natural thing. I posted a picture of it on social media. I put a whole synopsis of the story. I figured someone was gonna come forward to let me know that they had sent it to me and for why and all. Four days went by, nothing. Well, not nothing because being social media, People couldn't help themselves from all chiming in with all kinds of cute little comments, but no one claiming who sent it. So my next step was to go online and do a little detective work. I looked for the, a website for the greenhouse that sent me the plan. I'm looking for any customer service tab or some contact information and finally found an email. I send them an email, explain the entire situation. Four days go by and they finally respond to their email. They must have gotten like the wireless, you know, finally came back on and they finally checked their email. But four days go by and finally I get this email back saying, sorry, we have no way of tracing that information for you. We hope you enjoy the plan. This is 2021. Seriously, you can't trace this information. You can't figure this out. What? Okay, so now the Italian man is not just inquisitive curious and superstitious he's also suspicious so what the heck what didn't help was right around this time there was a gospel day at one of the gospel readings for daily masses or something i just read where jesus cursed a fig tree because it hadn't borne fruit and the next day the tree was dead so of course the italian man being inquisitive curious superstitious and suspicious could sometimes go completely negative. So what is this person saying about me? I'm not bearing good fruit, that Jesus is going to curse me, that I should die? I, I don't know. <laughs> so one morning, I'm praying my morning prayer up in my room rather than in the chapel, and I'm looking at the plant. And I'm seriously, it was a mix of being amused by this mystery and annoyed with the stupid plant. And that's when another set of five W's and one H came to mind. Did it really, really matter who sent it? What was the matter with me? Where was I going with all these thoughts? When did I allow myself to become so negative? And why was I getting so obsessed? Why was I overthinking this? How should I be reacting to it? I realized I didn't like not knowing. I didn't like not being in control of the situation. Because not being in control is a vulnerable place to be, which... Italian men and almost every other human being in the history of humanity dislikes. And we can find ourselves asking those five W's and one H and see that it reveals that, that constant struggle within each and every human heart that desires control. Who has authority over my life? When did I agree to that? Where does that power come from? What are they doing with the power and what are they why are they doing what they're doing how does this impact how i live my life control who is in control that's part of what's at the heart of the readings this third sunday of lent moses in that first reading today the guy is just out in the fields shepherding some sheep for his father-in-law and he comes upon something that he has no explanation that catches his curiosity for pretty good reason. This mysterious fire on this bush that's not consuming the bush. So yeah, you gotta imagine 
who, what, when, how are all racing through Moses' head as he's gone closer and closer to this miraculous, crazy sight. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice. Moses, Moses, come no nearer. Remove the sandals. This is holy ground. God himself is drawing near once again to his people Israel in a dramatic, historic way. And that builds upon what we had heard just last week with that story of when the covenant was made between Abraham and God. Back then, that last Sunday, that reading, it wasn't a flaming bush. God appeared as a flaming torch and a smoking fire pot in the deepest dark of night. And they made that covenantal promise. They would be his people and they would be their God. And so they were. And everything was going great for a good long time. So now this week, we hear God's appearing to Moses. The peace, the stability, the security that the people of Israel had enjoyed for centuries had disappeared. The Egyptians had gone from welcoming Joseph, you know, the guy with the amazing Technicolor dream coat, and his entire family that had all been in Egypt. Well, that had gone now to like them all being enslaved. And the Jewish people were now being completely abused and taken advantage of. So God says to Moses, I've witnessed the affliction. I've heard their cry. I know their suffering. I've come to rescue them. And I'm going to do that through you, Moses. Now this is going to set off a whole sequence of events between the Pharaoh of Egypt, all the Egyptians, the people of Israel themselves that are all going to run through that gamut of five W's and one H. Who has the power? Who has the authority? Where is this coming from? Who's ultimately in control here? Now the Egyptians are going to claim it's them and that their power comes from and their authority comes from the pagan gods that they were following. The Jewish people, the people of the covenant of the God of Abraham, they go back and forth between following Moses sometimes and then sometimes thinking, maybe we should have stuck with Pharaoh. I mean, we were slaves, but at least we got free cucumbers. Seriously, that was one of their arguments. You can look that up. Ultimately, though, the questions get to who deserves our worship? Where is true authority found? Who is ultimately in control? And God answers that in the first reading. I am. Literally and figuratively, that's what he says as he reveals his name. But just to pause for a second, even that Moses asks for God's name is kind of bold. Because for the Hebrew culture, it wasn't just a label that a person wore like Tom or Alice. But this describes their their essence. The name was their very being. So God answering with that mysterious sounding, I am who am is basically leveling everyone and everything. He is. God is the one eternal constant. That being who has always existed and caused everything to exist. And yet, he has this this personal interest and even more amazing personal love for humanity. And not just in this collective mass of creatures, but individually and specifically. He sees, he knows, he calls Abraham by name. He calls Moses by name. He expresses a love and a destiny for them individually as they're going now to lead his people. And the amazingly great news is that he does that for each and every one of us, individually and personally. 
He sees, he knows us by name and loves each and every one of us. Yet there are too many ways and too many things that all seem to undermine that truth for us, isn't there? Whether it's war in Ukraine or the continued fallout after two years of this pandemic. Two years that our worlds have been turned upside down. Where there's been illness and death. Where there's been fear and manipulations. Where people have felt lost and confused and oftentimes very, very angry. We have a lot of W's and H's that we want answered. Who's telling the truth? Who has our best interests at heart? Who cares about the people and who is manipulating them for their own benefit, for their own interests? Who do we believe? In our so enlightened day and age, there is an arrogance and a dismissiveness that relegates God as something for the weak-minded or the feeble or the superstitious even. Yet if we're sober and we attempt to be objective about the last few years, whether it was a medical authority or a political figure or even a religious leader or a pharmaceutical company for that matter, did any of them truly know everything and truly know what they were doing about everything? Were they completely interested in what was best for people? In charity, let's just leave it, people were trying their best. You could turn on any news channel, you could scroll through any social media feed if you want to debate that point, because for two years, that's what everyone seems to be, have been doing, and a lot of anger over that. And a lot of people have also yielded control of themselves, most especially their hearts and their souls, to the hearts of other people, who again, in charity, we can agree are less than perfect. And that's nothing new. Looking to authority figures in our world, at all the things that are seeming out of control, looking for answers to our questions, looking at things that are happening as signs for what's going on, that's not new. That's what was happening in today's gospel. Jesus is on this long journey to Jerusalem where he's going to -to face-to-face in the battle over who ultimately is in control. The powers of the world, with the power and authority of God Almighty. And it's all settled on the cross. Jesus has been been very clear about this and stated it multiple times that this is what he's going for, this is what he's going to do. But the disciples then, just like us now, easily distracted by what's happening in the day and age. The noise, the headlines, the things that understandably unsettle us and cause anxiety and fear. The things that have thoughts and attentions focused just on this world and even misreading God's role in it. For that particular day and age, it wasn't about a war in Ukraine and it wasn't about a viral pandemic, but their news was just as troubling. Pontius Pilate, the Roman official in charge of controlling the Jewish people in Jerusalem, had deployed all kinds of horror on the people. So there was this one incident that was really troubling them, asking about these people who had ruthlessly killed by Pilate's orders. As was this other tragedy where a tower had collapsed, killing all the people that were inside in this this neighborhood outside of Jerusalem called Siloam. Who's in control here? These God-fearing individuals have fallen into some warped thinking where their unspoken thoughts were trying to make sense of it by saying, these people must have gotten what they deserved, as if 
God was allowing this to happen as a punishment for something that they have done. That maybe that's why that tower fell on them, or that's why Pilate was able to kill them, because that's the only reason that made sense to them. If God's in control, that's the only explanation. And that's what prompts Jesus' direct correction. Do you think they suffered because they were greater sinners? Do you think that they were killed because they were more guilty? By no means. That there were ruthless leaders manipulating and abusing control? That these inexplicable events occurred resulting in tragedy? That's not God's judgment on the world. But our desire for understanding and all does reveal our ongoing desire for control and wanting to know what's going on. Where we find ourselves getting lost in those five W's and one H, looking to assign blame and champions. Imagining if the world simply listened to our answers to those questions or those that we've abdicated any critical thinking to make those answers for us, then things would be perfect or at least better than they are. Jesus' life death on the cross and his resurrection answered this debate 2,000 years ago. The world was and still is full of broken, sinful people. Some who are entrusted with positions of authority and influence and power. Others seemingly nameless and anonymous. But the ultimate judgment that each and every human being is going to come face to face with at the end of their lives is the lesson of the fig tree. Whether we've borne good fruit in this life or not, have we heard God's word? Have we received Jesus' body and blood in the Eucharist? Have we allowed that to nourish us and draw strength from it so that we can grow in virtue? So that we not only draw closer to Christ ourselves, but help others to draw closer as well. That's the only place that we have control over. Where and who I place my heart and my soul and my belief in. That's one of the reasons we enter into this season of Lent every year. To do that examination of my heart and soul. To ask some questions. Have I put my trust in people and things of this world? Am I allowing the things of this world, the good and the bad, to alter how I see myself, how I see someone else? Who am I worshiping? Who or what is in fact my God. When I declared and renewed myself in that declaration that I belong to Jesus, that he knows me, he calls me by name, I trust he's with me in my suffering, that he has a plan for me when nothing seems to make sense. And it's then that that call to repentance that we keep hearing about through Lent makes sense to us. It's then that I see that my prayer my fasting, my almsgiving, that's the only way I can respond to the Lord who's kind and merciful. Because that's how I yield control of what's in my life and allow him to continue to work in my life. When I cooperate with his grace, that's the only way I truly bear good fruit. It's funny because I never used to give a fig about fig trees or figs until that anonymous plant arrived in May 2021. As somewhat silly as it was, my overthinking that ended that morning in my morning prayer was actually very meaningful. Because when I stopped obsessing about trying to figure out who sent me this thing and why and what was the meaning, and just yielded the little bit of control that was 
asked of it in that moment and just accepted it as a thoughtful, loving, generous gift, that's when it truly became that for me, a gift. And what does a gift ask of us? That we simply appreciate it with thanksgiving and give it care. And that's how we're supposed to see our precious life. That the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the great I Am, has given to us a precious gift. The God who keeps his promises, God incarnate, Jesus, remains with us and will continue to guide and to nourish us to live lives that demonstrate true gratitude, that nourish us to grow and bear fruit, if we'll yield control to him and let him.